We spend far too much time worried about what makes us different than the next person or better than the next person and not enough time thinking about why we should respect the next person. We all have a story, an overarching theme that runs through our lives and makes us who we are. The problem is, we think that since each of our stories is different, there's not a lot of perceived value or shared struggle. But we have far more in common than we can imagine, and what motivates one person can certainly help us as well. The Third Lab Podcast is about understanding, respecting, and appreciating the struggle that it takes to overcome immeasurable odds in order to reach your destiny. Join me as I interview and bond with some of the most inspiring and incredible people, diving into their why to get a full understanding of their being. Without each other, we have nothing. So let's go on this adventure together and take on the future with open minds and open hearts. Welcome to the Third Lap Podcast. What's going on, everybody? I'm really excited today because I get a chance to connect with my brother here, Jimmy Smith. Uh, Jimmy and I, we've been talking about recording this episode for a while, and so glad to finally get him and pin him down for like an hour, hour and a half to make sure that we have the time. Um, Jimmy is a busy dude doing a lot of stuff. And so Jimmy is the digital content producer and writer at 4th and John. Um, Jimmy is one of the hardest working dudes, always on Twitter, reposting stuff, Facebook, reposting stuff, all about the Eagles, man. And so Jimmy, what's going on with you? How's everything? Oh, man, it's a pleasure to be here, first and foremost, Mal. I can't thank you enough for having me, but it's going really well, man. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I, uh, hmm. I, I'm happy to be here, to be honest with you, Mal. Uh, you're a friend that I enjoy talking to, and seeing you do something like this, I'm proud of you, and I'm proud that you're out here spreading positivity. So thank you for having me, man. I appreciate you, man. What I, I've been on your show like three times already on the road to victory, so I feel like it was I had to reciprocate. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to being on the show again, and so that kind of leads us right into how we know each other. So Jimmy and I met six months ago eight months ago um through fourth and john so gail sayers episode four who is the co-creator of uh fourth and john reached out to me one day i was just talking to him and he was like hey you know there's another writer here that i think that you will really get along with um you should connect with jimmy and so connected with jimmy just one off in a message um i think we just respected the fact we both knew our stuff about the Eagles, started chatting over the summer. Uh, Jimmy had me on his On a Road to Victory show several times just to talk about the tra- the, the draft and, and upcoming season. And, you know, that was just a ton of fun. But, yeah, man, any anything you want to share about how we met? Well, uh, you know, you, you mentioned it. Gail, you know, great, great man. We always talk about, you know, how much he helps us. Yep. And uh, he knows that I'm someone that – I've been through a lot in life and, you know, looking for people to talk with and, you know, find good friends. And I think he knew, you know, right away that you and I would hit it off. And, you know, honestly, we did. And you can always tell. And we've always had this conversation, which is hilarious. You know, you tell when someone's a real one. And honestly, (laughs) I I knew right away. And it was like, you know, it's not that I, I, I spend my time on all kinds of people that, you know, maybe it wouldn't be someone I'd hang out with, but, you know, I don't care. You know, it's I always have time, but you can always tell when someone is someone that's going to be your friend. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, damn, at this age, it's like, oh, this dude's pretty cool. Like, I wish I would have met you outside of, you know, the Internet world. But how great is it that we have the Internet? So I I think it was, 
you know, uh, whatever you believe in, God, anything like that. I think it was meant to be yeah. that you and I were to meet. And uh, ever since, you know, you've been more than just on my show. Uh, you've been a friend and I've appreciated yeah. you keeping in contact and just making sure, you know, I'm all right. So uh, this friendship is more than just, you know, the work. Uh, so yeah. it's been great to have you as a friend now, honestly. No, I appreciate that, man. And I feel the same way. Um, you know, it's funny. I don't have a ton of friends. Like I have people that I know, but as far as like my close circle, I, it takes some work to get into that. And, you know, it was great connecting with you and the conversations that we've had. Can't wait till the pandemic calms down so we can meet in person, um, introduce the dogs that we've we've talked about so frequently. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's just been dope, man. You know, I uh, this has been an awesome experience for me as well. And one that I needed, um, you know, I we we've been able to have some tough conversations with each other, especially through the pandemic and through a lot of the protests and stuff. It's just been great, you know, continuing to get to know each other, um, getting to know your partner. And, you know, yeah, man, this is this is a relationship that's going to be around for a really long time. And so, Jimmy, talk to me a little bit, man. This is the Rep Your Hood section. So what hood you repping? Where are you from? Well, I'm from Lewisburg, Pennsylvania. Now that um, that's about three hours uh, from Philadelphia, inner city. Uh, my entire family uh, was from uh, Germantown, and they moved here before I was born. Um, and I think my dad was trying to keep me out of trouble when he moved here. I'm not so sure how well that worked in my younger days, but uh, yeah, I grew up uh, in Lewisburg, and uh, I moved to the town over Mifflinburg, went to school there for a little while. And uh, honestly, it's always funny. I just had this conversation with Gail, who we mentioned earlier. I was like, it's always funny when people ask me, like, where do you, you know, represent? I'm like, oh, honestly, I'm one of those drifters, man. <laughs> like, after I graduated, you know, I, uh, I've lived in Brooklyn, Florida. I obviously, I lived in Philly for a little while. Uh, so I've been all over the place, man. But Lewisburg, Pennsylvania, where I was born and raised, man. I never heard of Lewisburg before. <laughs> <laughs> the look on your face says it all. Yeah, uh, for the listeners out there, is. Bucknell, uh, that's the okay. popular school, uh, the, the Patriot League. They did some work in the basketball a couple of years ago. But other than that, there's not much here, man. Yeah, We got horses and buggies. <laughs> so I know Bucknell, so I have like a, a general understanding of where you are. Yeah, yeah nah, man, that's cool. And, and I'm very much a nomad as well in a lot of ways. Um, when you told me you lived in Brooklyn, I was surprised. Though. I was like, wow, Jimmy in the big city, the big, big city. Yeah. Um, that's dope. But yeah, myself, I've lived in New York, Jersey, PA, Florida, Texas, like all over the place. But living and bouncing around like that helps you build character. And like you learn from so many different perspectives and, and from other people's experiences. Um, so I'm glad that I had that experience. And I, I feel like it, it potentially worked out well for you also. And so, Jimmy, um, you know, I, I'm excited to be able to really talk to you today about just who you are and what you bring to the table and what you're doing. I know about your story, but I think that not even think I know that I'm going to learn more about you today. I mean, I had my mom on episode two and learn things about her in that episode that I never knew. So every episode that I've recorded, man, has been so dope because I know everyone that's been on so far personally and have learned so much more about them. And so to just kind of jump right into, you know, your story, man, talk to us about the beginning of your career. So, you know, you currently do 
digital content as a producer and writer at Fourth and John. Um, you created on the road to victory. But talk to us, like, what even led you to want to get to this work in the first place? Well, um, that's a whew, that's a good one. Uh, now, I'm an aspiring broadcaster, journalist, uh, but essentially aspiring to be Derek Gunn. Uh, really, you know what he does? He does it all. You know, analysts. He breaks it down. You know, stuff that you know we do on my show that I have you on. You know. That's something uh, I've been passionate about uh, Eagles football since I was born. That was something, you know, it's been my grandfather, you know, worked at the stadium at the first championship. Like, I mean, ridiculous stuff, you know, so it's been passed down. But so, you know, the passion part, Eagles fans, you'll know what I'm talking about. Non-Eagles fans know what I'm talking about. We're crazy. Yes, we know. Uh, but that passion, you know, it was always something I loved. And my dad couldn't stand half of the, you know, broadcasters and announcers. Um, you know, it killed him listening to half these people, uh, Chris Collinsworth, you know, and stuff like that. So he would always, I would learn all the players in Madden and do all this stuff. And I wanted to know everything. So I, I just learned everything about football. And, you know, then I played it. And I, I really loved football. I was pretty good at it, not trying to toot my horn, but uh, I was pretty fast. And I, you know, started varsity in ninth grade. And then, um, yeah, I turned to a different path. I found alcohol and weed and even some other fun things in that time. And in this area, you don't have much else to do. I'm not making excuses, but uh, I found myself going down a darker path. Now, my father was pretty ill as I grew up. He had cirrhosis. So uh, he started getting sicker and he wasn't able to go to games and things like that. So it kind of like turned me off. And um, but one thing I still wanted to do was broadcasting. So I still was this bad kid, but I, I still wanted to do this broadcasting. So we had announcements in the beginning of the day. Okay, That's the first class. Now, I found out I could go into school at 830, tell my teacher that I was down at the library. I controlled the absentee list, so I could always be late. So I, I was taking advantage of the system right off the bat. But what I didn't, I, I thought I was going to, that's why I was going to do it. And there was this teacher, and he was old school, guy in the Navy. Like, dude, he had to be like 70-something. But, yeah, all these tats. Like, he was – and everybody's like, you're going to hate him, man. He's like the hardest, the meanest teacher ever. And I'm like, oh, great. Like, this is going to really stink. This guy loved me. And teachers weren't a big fan of Jimmy Smith back in the day. I'm going to be honest with you. This guy thought – he just thought I had it. And I was like, all right. So I actually found – like, I really started to enjoy it. And so, like, every day I started coming in, he, like, maybe want to be on time, like, started caring. And uh, I really got into doing it right. And, like, I, good morning, Mithenberg. Hi, I'm Jimmy Smith. And, you know, I really just, I loved it. And after I graduated, the reason I moved to Brooklyn was to try to become an actor. Now, here comes another excuse I used. I watched my best friend pass away uh, right before I moved. And... When I got there, uh, honestly, uh, all I wanted to do was drink and pass away the time. So I didn't even pursue any kind of acting or anything that I had planned on moving to Brooklyn, New York for. So now I'm just out in Brooklyn, uh, an angry, mad dude. But I met good people. there, And it, like those are plenty of good stories. But I started uh, just becoming a salesman. And I really liked people. I always liked people, even though I didn't really like myself. And it was always something I started doing. And throughout time and all the moving I've done, um, 
you know, I started getting into sales. That's mostly what I've done most of my time. I got away from pursuing any dream. So we'll fast forward now. A couple of years ago, I, uh, well, a few, I decided that I would try to go to school for business. I wanted to, you know, finally do something. And there's this local school, like, you know, not a big school or anything. It was a McCann School of Business. And I wanted to just get something under my belt and hopefully try to do some things with accounting. I really like numbers, which most people don't. So I thought, I'm just gonna get by, you know, just the average Joe kind of thing. Well, then I got thrown a curveball and uh, almost died. And I, you know, uh, found out I had cirrhosis, um, but I had a battle for a month and didn't know if I was gonna live. And through that time, I had my family, my beautiful girlfriend and her son who is, pretty much my son. We've been together for seven years. He is now 10. So since he's been three, but they were my rock, but uh, the other rock that you know is the Philadelphia Eagles. And we, they would be there by my side. We'd be talking Eagles, doing things. And they're always, they, that, that helped me get by in these times where, you know, I don't know if I'm going to live to see the next day. So trying to find peace and everything. And my girlfriend came up with the idea that, Hey, you know, I'm always trying to push you, but why don't you like start a group or something. You always like talking about Eagles. You're stuck in this hospital bed. Why don't you start talking Eagle stuff? You're really, you know, good with that. So I decided to start a Facebook group and I'm not even like big into like social media at this point. Okay. You got to realize I'm 30 years old and I'm like, I, yeah, I don't like, I kind of use it. I'm trying to be cool, but I'm still that embarrassing guy. Like, you know, so I'm like, yeah, I'll get into it. So I started and man, I started finding all these passionate fans and it was a beautiful thing. Well, 2017, and, you know, my message was, you got to fight, you know, um, you got to fight for what you believe in, who you are. And honestly, as I'm giving these people these, this message, I'm fighting for my life. I'm trying to tell myself this message. It's honestly, as much as I do want to help people, I'm not saying I'm trying to be selfish, but I truly needed it. And I don't know if I knew that, but it was such a blessing to reach out to others because I told people my story and I told them, hey, this isn't just about football. So if you need anything, reach out. My God, I've made so many friends and met so many people just because they're like, hey, meant a lot that you, you know, did that. Well, you know how 2017 goes, you know, well, the Eagles lose Carson Wentz and I'm trying to tell people, you know, hey, let's just believe, let's fight. And honestly, I'm scared to death what's about to happen. But I'm like, hey, Let's let's just ride with our team, you know. And I'm honestly, I'm fighting for my life. I got a different perspective here. <laughs> well, people tell me, you know, give up, give up. You know, the Eagles suck, this, that. And my whole point of the group that I began, you know, was to fight. So no, I'm not. Well, we end up winning the Super Bowl. At that moment, I was like, okay, this is it, baby. This is this is your destiny. Now we talk, and I don't want to. I'm trying to make this as brief as I possibly can without rambling. But you know, we talk about how much it meant to my dad. I my father actually passed uh, about seven years ago now uh, when I lost him like you know it got worse with the drinking and stuff and that attributed to me getting cirrhosis and almost dying but it's hereditary what they say but I don't care I know I helped it along at 30 years old you don't just get cirrhosis so I know uh, I helped and look I, I'm not ashamed of what I've done in my life it helped me learn who I am but you know in that time of losing my father I started getting bad but when you know it uh Chelsea got put in my life, and I'm telling you, her and her son Dominic meant everything to me. And honestly, 
it's starting to change my perspective. So it was already in the works. You know, I, I never went to a bar since we'd been together, even though I had, like, I drank a little bit, like, and I'd always do it away from her because she hated it. And I couldn't believe she was a girl that I, I had to know her for three months before I met her son. Like, just crazy stuff. You know what I mean? Like, just straight crazy. So she filled the void of my dad, but she's the one who pushed me toward the Eagles, just like my dad was. So it all felt like this was what I was supposed to be doing. So I was like, why am I in a Facebook group? Like, I should really... I'm not here for likes and comments. You know what I mean? Like I appreciate all the people like that do that, but it's, I, I really want to do something. And, you know, I believe that, yeah, sure. I could probably be a broadcaster. I, my mindset is like a Dave Spadaro, you know, not Dave. I want to be like D gum, but I want to do that for the Eagles. Like I always, and then, you know, you talk about Gail, like and seeing what he had in fourth and John, I didn't even know about that. So it gave me a different perspective and it was having someone like Gail, pushing me and be like, no, you should be like writing and you should be telling people like, you know, cause with Gail, I, I, I stood with him at the link and told him we draft Andre Dillard. And that was when he was like, all right, are you going to start writing for us or what? And you know, it's, it's just little things that have meant so much to me and people that have pushed me. So the question was, you know, what pushed me on this path? It's the people that truly love me and care about me and me finally caring about myself. And remembering what I really wanted to do with my life. And that took a really long time. I'm 34 now. And these past few years, I've been working at it. And I was still selling cars before the pandemic. So, yes, I was still a salesman. But, you know, um, I, I wanted to really start doing things. So, Gail has given me a bigger job. You know, now I'm the digital content producer. Always learning more, doing things. and You know, but it's, it's truly, it's helping people that, gives me strength. And that little thing I talked about in the beginning, I'm, I'm still able to do that every single day. And you know, that, that I met you, you know what I mean? I met so many people by just being myself. And I don't think people realize how much of them being a part of what I do has helped me do that. I was always so afraid of doing that. I haven't always been that. So I owe it all to the people, man, the people that love me. And um, I got to give a little credit to myself for finally breaking the mold you know i used to never do that but like i addiction was a huge thing in my family and i just you know i, I still have my addictions there's still things but I, I just try to make them things that don't turn me into a monster that's gonna hurt anybody or you know um but i just honestly there's a lot of bad things in this world and i have found that i use them as gateways to escape and i don't do that anymore man so that this allows me to not escape it allows me to be myself so i think that's what drove me to this path, man. Just being able to be myself for once in life. You're listening to the Third Lap Podcast with Mal Davis. Yeah. Nah, that's dope, bro. And, you know, you and I have talked about that at length, um, both the addiction part, the passion. And I, I think when we first connected, what really resonated with me and maybe it's, it's reciprocal, was your passion for the Eagles, but also your knowledge. Like, I connect with people that care about it and then I connect with people that know it, but there aren't a ton of people that care and know what they're talking about. Uh, I would say that's kind of like an underlying theme for most of, if not everybody that Gail brought to Fourth and John. But it was just like we spent hours just breaking down the draft. Like we went like round by round talking about undrafted free agents. And by the end of it, it was like a marathon. And like by the end of it, I'm like sweating. But I'm like, man, this was 
this was dope to be able to connect with somebody on this level. Um, and you are a change maker, man. Like, you know, we talked before we even got onto the the podcast about this a little bit, but through your Facebook group, through your Twitter, just through your personality, you know that you're speaking to an audience of people that, especially here in Philadelphia, which is something that I've really struggled with, that need to hear this message, honestly, coming from a white man. Um, a lot of a lot of the white men that I connect with through social media that are also Eagles fans, I can't say that we're aligned philosophically. Um, and that led to my sort of break away from what I was doing in regards to like blogging and writing for the Eagles because I felt like I could no longer entertain people that hated me, that told me that my life didn't matter. Um, and it was always great because, you know, you were on the forefront of continuing that message of, no, like black lives matter. Like we can't continue to be this racist, this, you know, we can't we can't push forward this ideology of telling the athletes to shut up, but then cheering for them on Sundays. Like you have to respect people for who they are and what they are. Um, and I, I appreciate you for it. You know, it's so much easier to step back and not say anything than it is to step up and be a change maker. And so you're for sure, you know, making that change. You I have no question that you'll continue to do it into the future. Um, and that's why I was so excited to have you on here, because we get a chance to really dig into like you. You know, you talk a lot about sports and the Eagles, but I really wanted to talk about Jimmy. Um, and so you mentioned your dad, right, and your father passing away and sort of what that meant to you. We've talked about this before, um, and we've talked about what it influenced your father and to a certain extent your uncle had on you. Talk a little bit more about your dad, though, if you don't mind, and just sort of like how ultimately losing him kind of got you back to where you are. Shout out to Chelsea, first off. I said to start with that. Um, I've, I've also loved getting to know her vicariously through you. She sounds like just such an amazing woman. Um, Dominic sounds like such an amazing kid. You know, we uh, we we have like a, a double date coming up. Once things clear up, we got to all connect. Um, but shouts out to Chelsea, because, you know, just like for my wife, who really pushed me to get to this podcast and is killing me around Instagram. She won't she won't relent. Um, and I appreciate her for it. But like, you know, having a partner in your life that sees the best in you, but also sees that like there are things that you can do and encourage you to take those steps um, and are there to like work with you and talk with you to encourage you to move forward. It's it's priceless. Um, and so shouts out to Chelsea too. But yeah, man, I would love for you to just talk a little bit more about your dad and ultimately like what losing him meant to you. Definitely, man. Um, wow. That was a, it was a tough time. I was um, very young still in my mind, uh, fresh 27. But when I found out my dad was sick was when I was a young kid and he had cirrhosis and they told him he would only live for like five more years. So at that moment, as a boy, I'm thinking, I have five more years with my dad. That I know, I know, looking back, messed me up big time. And my dad lived for like 19 years past when he was supposed to. And he lived until uh, I was 27. And man, um, he was a he was a pretty amazing person. He uh, actually was a drug and alcohol counselor. He himself was an addict, and he uh, got cirrhosis at a young age. But he quit at the age of thirty, just like myself, which is hilarious to me. But uh, yeah, he always told me um, the thing about my dad was, you know, 
you would think, oh, drug and alcohol counselor, how the heck? What? What were you doing? But you know, that rebellious spirit. I had to had to do my own thing. But the thing was, my dad always, like, he never was like, oh, you're a piece of crap. Like, you're doing this wrong. Even, you know, the cops are calling him. They got to get up. He's doing this. Like, you know, just all the time I was getting in trouble. And he always just taught me loving. Now, sure, he was hard on me. He'd be pissed when I got in trouble. I'm not sitting here saying, like, oh, you're a good boy. Like, I think it was helpful that my dad was hard on my ass pretty, uh, pretty hard. Now, he did it with love, though. And I always knew that. And he, he never, like, berated me and made me feel like I was nothing. It was always, especially when it started to turn into with the drugs. Now, because he knew it was him. Like, he felt, like, in his mind, like, him being ill was the reason. Like, I know you're trying to escape that pain. And it was just like, to, you know, he was always right. And I didn't want to hear that, you know, but he always just kept giving it to me. And the older I got, you know, and the more I started drinking and not caring, me and my dad always had an awesome relationship because we had the Eagles. So every Sunday, no matter what, I, I was still with my dad and he, you know, he'd still throw his stuff in like, hey, you know, yeah something about drinking or something about, you know, your life could be, you know, a lot better. I understand it's definitely bringing you down and it always was. And he was always right. And I never wanted to hear it, but he always planted those seeds. And what's crazy to this day is, you know, it, at first it was, Oh my God, that was the hardest thing ever. And when it first happened, I just drank and drank and drank and drank and drank until it finally just hit me like this. This is not what, you know your dad once like at all i was trying to die i, I really was I, I just didn't want to live but i wasn't strong enough to even kill myself because i literally just i didn't really want to die it just was the worst feeling ever and losing him was tough because he truly was that person that was always there for me he was that friend you talk about like i've always had friends that crossed me or did something it was like now growing up i actually lost my childhood my teenage and my adult best friend so Losing him was just like, okay, damn. I, and you think you're going to be prepared because I knew from a young age that he was going to die. But I think that truly messed me up. But he, if I wouldn't have had him, I would be done for right now because all the things that he taught me and told me that I, you know, always tried to brush aside all register now. And they registered when it mattered most when I was sitting there on my deathbed when it was, okay. Well, here's your decision. You're either going to walk out of here and you're not going to drink and you're going to live a happy life or you're going to drink and die, just like your dad told you. And I was in a hospital bed two rooms down from where my dad died. So it was like him talk. I was in there for a month, dude. And I, I have like PTSD from hospitals from him. Like I can't even go myself like to doctors, hospitals. So now I get it. And at first we don't even know what it is. I'm just... Dude, they are just prodding me with stuff like, oh, drills in my back, everything. I, every surgery you could think of every day trying to figure it out. And it was like, oh, my God, I'm reliving it. And seeing Dominic looking at me, it was like how I looked at my dad. So to this day, my dad's still here with me. And, you know, people say stuff like that. And you can think whatever, like whether it's in spirit or they talk to him. And whatever people do to get by, you can't hate on that, man. And, you know, for me... You know, I've got his picture right here. I've got, you know, but I've always got him in my heart. He's always on my mind. And I'm always remembering things when life seems hard. And it's like, you know, I never thought 
I would not drink because drinking is the, the social thing. That's the drug that everybody says is okay. And it's probably one of the most, well, it is one of the most deadly ones. And, you know, withdrawal from it can instantly kill you. So for me to just be like, I'm done. Now, it's lucky I was in a hospital dying. You know, most people don't get that wake up call. You know, when I say that, people are like, lucky? No, what? It's like, look, I'm here. Okay. I, that was horrific and it was a very bad time, but I made light of it, dude. I was making live videos. I like, I'm walking around with my stuff, like, because it reminded me of my father, like that, all that strength came from him. And it, dude, he was, I was lucky. And I always tell people that, you know, and it's like that pain of losing him was rough, but I'm so blessed to have, you know, whether it was a short amount of time, you know, he, he did a number and dude, after his funeral, they had this uh, bonfire thing, like the AA and NA people, and thousands of people just kept pulling up, like coming up while me, my sister and brother, like sat with uh, his like best friends at this fire and people just came up to us, you know, it was kind of like a extended funeral kind of thing at this huge campfire thing they used to always do. And they all were just coming up and each one would come up to me and my siblings and like tell us a story or like how our dad saved their life or like how he wouldn't be here today and it was just like wow like he didn't just mean that much to me like he impacted thousands of people and he's a great man so it, it's always given me that strive you know to be a great man but my father was so awesome dude even when i was down and out he always he always called me the free spirit and he you know not to hate on like my other siblings, but he's like, you're just different. Like you, you just think different. You see it, man. You see the world. And my dad was like that. Like he was in Vietnam, then came back and turned into a hippie. Cause he was like, nah, I'm good on all this. So like my dad just changed his whole outlook on life. And, you know, he probably saw some things that obviously I never seen, but that helped him become who he was. And then he helped me just, you know, you talked about me trying to stand up for what's right. You know, that's always been the name of the game. And my the people that came up at that bonfire were like, you know, the thing I loved about your dad, he, woo, that man kept it real. Like, you couldn't BS and you couldn't bring your hate to the table because he'd call you out for it and call it for what it was. You know, whether you want to spread your self-hatred or, you know, most things, he could see it. And, you know, that was one of the things I hated, dude, <laughs> because it was like he could see right through me. But I love it now. And it's like, I now, I feel like I have his power to just read people, feel people, help people. And I think that man had the greatest impact of anyone is ever going to have. And there's a lot of good people in my life, but a lot of influences I have that I truly, you know, I always try to learn from like intelligent people, people, and even if they're not intelligent, like just people that speak from the heart. I always just want to learn more about human beings. And I, I even learn about the bad people just so I can... And you know, I, we, you and I have talked where I grow up, you know, it's whew, not many people stand up around here um, and it's the complete opposite. And my father, when he moved here, I don't think he realized, you know, what he was moving into. So he wasn't quiet about it. So I damn sure I'm not going to be quiet about it. And, you know, I've been vocal for a very long time. And, you know, we've only known each other for a short time, but we've talked about this. You know how I feel about all kinds of stuff, and we can get into that. But when it comes down to racism, it's clear as day. Um, you know, I have 
seen it and unfortunately, you know, have dealt with more so of the it's oh, it's not real because in this bubble, we just get to say that. And, you know, that's how it is that and I don't play that game. So people dislike me for that. But you talked about it. That's those aren't the people I'm here for. Um, I'm here for the people that are listening that think they can't have a voice, maybe or maybe think that they can't change something. And maybe they come from a small town or maybe, you know, they've done so much bad or they've done this or that. My father taught me that that is the biggest BS you'll ever lie to yourself about. I mean, that's bull crap, man. If anything, the more bad you've done, the more you've learned. So I think my father has been the greatest teacher. Uh, I think he is a great man. And I know that I'm not the only person sitting here saying that to this day. So that's pretty cool to know that, you know, he had an impact like that. And I can only hope, you know, with him, that was, I, I kind of drifted off there, but that was one of the things that, you know, when he called me the free spirit, he said, I always believe that you're going to do greater than I'll ever do. And it's like, well, what are you talking about, dude? Like, first off, I can't even stop drinking. You think I'm going to do anything great? But, you know, that's kind of where it comes in with on the road to victory. I'm on the road to victory with my life, and I, I want everyone else to come along for the ride. I want their lives to go the same way and just pursue what you want to do. And in the end, I hope that I can help people just like my father. So it's funny. He was right. So he's still here talking to me. And it's like, damn it. I sit here talking to people, giving advice. I'm like, ha. Huh. I see him just looking at me in the picture like, you son of a You got me. You did. That's another one of, like, the commonalities that we have. So uh, when you told me that your dad was a drug and alcohol counselor, I was like, wow. Yeah, my pops is too. And, you know, has been a recovering addict now for 30, what am I, 35? So 32 years. I was just going to um, say, don't say 32. That's weird. Yeah, 32 years, man. He he got sober, um, clean and sober when I was around three. Um, and that was a big reason for him getting on that pathway. And he hasn't faltered. And, you know, when I was really bugging, especially in my, like, teens and early 20s, he was the same person for me talking like, man, listen, you know, my mom was too, but I think that it was easier for me to ignore her because, like, she didn't really do the same things that I did necessarily where my dad was, he was out there in a very similar way. And so he always told me throughout my whole life that, you know, Mal, he was like, man, by 30, like, you're going to have to, I was smoking weed. So he was like, you're going to have to stop smoking. And I'm like, I'm not ever going to stop. Like, I never thought that there would be a world where I stopped smoking. And here I am in this world where, you know, I don't smoke. And it's like, wow, you know, I don't drink. Um, you know, it's it's been interesting. And, you know, having that voice helps. And, you know, I'm glad that your father was there for you. And it's important too, also, and, and for all the parents listening to this show, support your kids when they're down and support anyone when they're, it's easy to support people when they're up, when they're doing the right thing. Um, and there were tons of people who didn't believe in me. And I tell people all the time, I was supposed to be dead 14 years ago, about 21. Um, and yet just, you know, recently, well, not even recently, but turned 35 and I'm still here. Right. And so same for you. I'm sure that there were so many people that doubted you, so many people that felt like, you know, Jimmy can't make it. He won't he won't get there. And you're 34 years old. Like you said, you're on the road to victory with your life, um, with your family, with your career. And that's just amazing, man. And, you know, I'm such a huge advocate and cheerleader for you because you have such an awesome story. And why I wanted you on here is to be able to, like, tell that story sort of unfiltered um, and really be able to dig into it. And so we've talked about how we know each other. You talked about where you're from. You talked about your story from like starting off to where you are now, the influences that you had with your father, the struggle with cirrhosis and with drinking. 
You're listening to the Third Lap Podcast with Mal Davis. Yeah. And so this is Mal Davis on the Third Lap Podcast. I'm here with Jimmy Smith from On the Road to Victory. And so I think this is the perfect time to talk about where are you right now? You know, you're one of the busy, like between you and Hollywood Hearn, I'm like, these are two of the busiest dudes out here working right now. And so talk to me, what is it that you're doing now? What are some of the things that you're undertaking so that you can take your career to the next level? Yeah, uh, we uh, briefly talked about, you know, Gail being a big help, uh, had me start off writing and I like writing. I, I've always liked that. But my passion, I truly enjoy, you know, being on camera. I love breaking down film. I love just all of that, man. And, you know, so we started we started building on that. And I, th- this is something when I first began, I, I started doing videos, but I looked even skinnier and worse. Like I was not healthy at all. Like I, you know, I just almost died. I lost like 75 pounds, something. It was bad. I looked horrible and I'm a skinny guy to begin with. So, um, you know, I I wasn't all about it, but I was like, dude, you're good at this. Like, just stop, get over your fears. Like you're telling people to believe in yourself. Here you are like, oh, I can't go on camera. Like who cares, dude, who cares? So I started getting healthier. I just started wanting to look better, started wanting to be better and just, starting to do that well things started opening up and um you know i started doing uh, the shows on a2d um which i actually most recently had to step away due to some personal conflicts but um it was a pleasure to get the work from tom and i appreciate what he did but had to step away and fourth and john uh has given me more so uh now i am in charge of digital uh, producing and this is great because i told you in the beginning that i wasn't even really big into social media or using any kind of anything i I didn't like computers now i always liked messing around with graphics and things like that so i figure i've got an eagles group why not start making cool pictures to go along with these cool little stats and cool little stories i was writing so i started creating graphics well People like my graphics and I start seeing my graphics everywhere. And I start seeing, so I'm like, oh, okay. Well, now Gail asks me to start creating graphics for him. I'm like, okay, so I'll do this now too. As you know, there's been a recent opening at 4th and John. So been getting more airtime as well. Uh, so things have uh, been getting filled on my plate there. But when it comes to home life, my God. So Corona threw me a curveball and yeah i just i can't work with my cirrhosis so unfortunately i've been stuck inside but my child cannot go to school so we've been stuck with virtual homeschooling and i just want to say that it is horrible uh to have to try to act like you enjoy every second of it uh because it's rough it's i hated getting up that early to do that but i get up at 5 45 my girlfriend leaves for school and then i'm banging out school work with him man and it's it's intense but i love it because it's actually one-on-one work and i know that he's actually getting the care he needs and you know what he needs to actually get the job done and i know he's safe so it's it's a good thing uh but it fills my plate it uh, definitely makes things go crazy at times where I'm trying to uh, there's Eagles news coming out and then all of a sudden there's like a, a virtual meeting or something he's got to do. So it's been insane adding to my plate uh, with her being at school uh, drives an hour away. So she's gone for most of the day and the night. So playing uh, now uh, the last 
this Corona's got me inside. I'm back again, stuck inside for like six months playing uh, Mr. Smith, the teacher and homeschool and dad, I guess. I, but uh, no, um, I've been doing that and I do some other graphic work, some business card stuff for people. Uh, but that's what I have going on now. Uh, what I have been trying to do is I try to get people to come on. Um, I love bringing on uh, guys like you that know their stuff. Try to bring on some superstars every now and again. Had Derek Gunn on, Mark McMillan. But, you know, I'm just trying to build a place where people can come, talk their birds, get away. But I hope that it turns into a job for the Eagles. You know, I'll start anywhere, man. I'll start in sales. I'll start with graphics. I'll do whatever it takes. So I'm willing to get out there and do whatever. But, yeah, I'm I'm quite busy because uh, I run, you know, I was running three groups, uh, different I was doing graphics and videos and I do daily shows every day um, all while living that life. Now being out of work has definitely helped, but not helping financially uh, running out of savings here. So let's go here, uh, ladies and gentlemen, get your masks on and let's get this over with. Yeah, no, definitely 100%. Let's get these masks on and stop playing games. We just had like a huge uptick in cases in Pennsylvania. So there were already third wave and all of these different things. And it doesn't help to have a quote unquote leader in the White House that is not a leader whatsoever and has, you know, really contributed to this pandemic. Now, by the time this episode comes out, prayers up that we have a new leader in the White House and it's no longer 45. Um, but there's also a chance that it will still be 45. And yeah, we won't get into that. Um, but uh, this episode is actually a week before Election Day. So we don't know who won. <laughs> yet. Good energy. Let's put it out there. <laughs> right. Like this, this will come out well after. Um, but we, as of right now, recording this episode, have no idea who's winning the election. So um, we've both, well, I voted, Jim, you voted as well already? Yep. Yep. Early voting is the way. Um, so yeah, I mean, like, I, I'm not joking when I call you one of the hardest working dudes that I know. Um, and Philadelphia Eagles, you know, if you if anyone working for the Eagles hears this or if this chair with somebody from the Eagles, hire Jimmy. Jimmy will make it worth it. Jimmy will work from the bottom and he'll be one of the best people that you have at the whole organization and will very shortly um, become a huge asset in anywhere you put him, literally. Uh, because Jimmy, I, I was first off when we first met. I didn't realize that you were doing this every single day. And so, like, I would get on Twitter and then I see Jimmy go live. And I'm like, wait, is this an old episode? But he can't be doing the old episode, but going live. And then <laughs> I go to sleep. I wake up the next day. I'm on Twitter on and Jimmy's going live. I'm like, all right, hold on, yo. This dude is going live every day. Like, this dude is, uh, he's a savage with this work. Um, and you always bring interesting content. You're not getting on and just talking nonsense. You're not getting on and talking about the same thing every day. Like, literally, you're mapping out, okay, this is what I want to talk about. Here we are. You get on for, like, an hour or so and, like, rock it. And so it was, again, just awesome to get on. I, I believe you had – so you said Derek Gunn, um, Mark McMillan, right? You had on as well? Yeah. Awesome, man. Like, some – if you're from Philadelphia, like, you know who those people are. If you're not, like, Jimmy brought on some heavy hitters already. Um, I've been on the show several times. You had Mally on too, right? Chris Mally. Yeah. Um, Soko, I'm pretty sure. Actually, yeah, we were all on the show together with you um, when we were breaking down the Eagles draft. And so Jimmy is has created a platform in and of himself that is 
palpable and you know i see your, your followers growing exponentially i see the people that are interacting with you regularly growing exponentially um i sh every time i see you go live i share it anytime i see your comments or content i like it and share it i had no idea actually you were running fourth and john social until like two weeks ago when you told me like yo my i'm busy like i'm running social now too for fourth and john i'm like wait what <laughs> it's like when did this happen <laughs> um but it says a lot about you because, like you said, there was an opening at Fourth and John, and like you stepped up into that void. Um, and seeing Hearn step up more, seeing Prime step up more, seeing you step up more, you know, there are a lot of people, Ryan Neal step up um, to like collectively fill that spot that was a pretty important place and position for the for Fourth and John, like a pretty specific voice that was a void now. Um, and seeing so many dope people step into it has been awesome. You know, we talked about where you are right now, all the work that you're currently doing. Where do you want to go with this ultimately, right? Like you talked about working for the Eagles. What other future ambitions or endeavors do you see for yourself? Well, and that's the thing, you know, this is this is a journey and I know uh, that it will probably take time. And, you know, adding jobs like this, you and I had talked about, you know, it adds to my resume. It uh, really just does things that, push me toward that goal. Now I know that there's probably going to have to be a bunch more things that I add into that resume before I get to the Eagles. But that's why I'm out here every single day, uh, putting out content every day in hopes that it pushes me, you know, somewhere where someone sees me, whether it's a sales job to, and then I get to talk to someone like, Hey man, you need to be drafting this guy, you know, just putting it in their ear. <laughs> I kid, but you know, I, I'm the kind of person, you know, that, I just always want to fight for what I get. I've always had to my whole life. So I like it. It makes me like it when I got to fight. And this is something where I had to tell people in 17 to fight for their Eagles, you know, and I got people telling me to quit and it's like, no, 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 no. That's not how this works. You know? So I'm just trying to remember that I used to feel like giving up. So now that's just been my whole message. So my whole thing is keep fighting, keep fighting and adding you know, running forth and John, uh, doing the Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the fun things. Now it's just down to me and forth and John creating different graphics for each one. It makes it, it fills my time, but I'm gonna be real with you. I got more time. I'm always every day learning more things because I hope that it turns into maybe something, you know, at a local, now there's not much around here, but maybe locally where I can move closer. Uh, it doesn't matter, but what I really, 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 um, Okay, I just wanted to briefly mention that uh, before I get into what I really want to do. But, you know, that's what I want to do with my career while I'm here on Earth. You know, I, I understand I got to make money. I got to do things, be part of the world. And I want to do something that I actually enjoy doing. So I hope to turn it into something that I can at least, you know, provide for my family and not have to worry about paying bills or when a pandemic hits, you know, freaking out about my next meal or something. You know what I mean? I, I'm just trying to provide for my family. So that's what I want to do there. But in the long run, what I want to do in this world is what I kind of mentioned earlier. And that's, I just want to help as many people as I possibly can. And some of the ideas I've had, you know, cause I, I man, I was crazy when I first got out of the hospital. It's just like, I want to help uh, myself, but I want to help everyone. And I just want to, you know, uh, but you, you can't fill your plate like that. So I had to calm down, had to, start seeing what I needed help with, what I could actually help with. And, you know, through the years, I've really seen that, you know, it does help to tell my story. It does help to just be me. And a lot of people, you know, appreciate and respect that, just the honesty, because I've always been that way. And I think that's why, you know, 
I I was always respected where I was from. I can't say I had the best of friends because they weren't exactly there for me while I was dying. So, but you know, people liked me because I always spoke the truth and I'd always tell you the truth. That's something my dad always hit home with me. You know, you always tell the truth, even if it gets you in trouble. So bring it on, you know? Uh, but I, I think that I want to help spread the truth. And you mentioned earlier, uh, I'm very vocal about the truth and I always have been, you know, uh, since I was a young man, read some certain things that really changed my perspective. And I, you know, I lived uh, a different perspective just because of my father being from Philadelphia. You know, I didn't have that closed minded outlook that a lot of people where I'm from did. And, you know, everything that's ever happened to me has helped shape me into that free spirit. My dad always called me. And I think that in the end, I want to be a free spirit that allows other people to be free. And I want to help them just find who they are in this world and not what job they want to do necessarily, because even in the end, I don't really know what I want to do. Like, I want to be a broadcaster. I want to do things. I know I want to do certain things. But in the end, it doesn't matter. As long as I can provide for my family, that's what matters. Because I, I feel like I've already half won in life. I found that missing void I had. I found Chelsea and Dominic, and I have them. And the rest is, how can I provide for them? How can I keep them safe? And in a crazy world, you know, that becomes a concern. But, I, man, I, I honestly, I want to protect them. And I want to protect other people. I want to just help this world, man. It's hurting. And I just feel I've always been empathetic to that. My heart hurts, man. Whenever I just read any news or see any, like people just hurting, like I've always, you know, I was always the dude punching the bully in the mouth. Like you didn't mess with me. Like I, you know what I mean? If you were picking on people, you were messing with me. Uh, I just, and that's one thing, even when I was a drunk, I, I was still that guy. So I've always, you know, I hear people make excuses when they're drunk or something. And it's like, Hey, I never turned into a piece of crap, <laughs> but I did hate myself at the time. So now what I try to do is love myself and let other people know that they can love themselves too. Even if, you know, whatever they've done or whatever they've been through, or it just, so in the end, that's what I hope to do is just be an impact. And I hope I can make my dad proud, you know, you know, and truly make his words come true. He's saying that I would make a bigger impact has always stunned me. And he just keeps being correct about things over and over. So I just, I'm trying to make him right, you know, and it's I'm not living my life to fill my dad's shoes or be him. That's not what he'd want. I, I'm trying to be that free spirit. He always knew I would be. You're listening to the Third Lap Podcast with Mal Davis. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the perfect segue to the next portion of our conversation today. And so once again, this is Mal Davis on the Third Lap Podcast with Jimmy Smith. We're talking about his pathway to where he is, you know, where he's heading in the future. Um, and I can completely relate to what you mentioned about wanting to provide for your family. Like that's number one for me, you know, as my wife and I talk about adoption and, you know, we really want to add children to our relationship. Like that's the number one priority is like, I never want my kids. I never want my wife to struggle for anything. And now, honestly, my wife is getting her MBA right now, so she ain't struggling for much. She's doing her own thing. Um, but, you know, I also feel internally motivated to, like, match and exceed that effort because I want to make sure that, like, we support each other. Um, and so I can completely relate to that, completely relate to, you know, how this pandemic has kind of thrown things off. But I think in a lot of ways it's forced us to sit and think and reflect and really plan more purposefully um, Marquise Richards, who was episode number five, he talked about intentionality. And intentionality to me is something that's so important, something that 
we miss on a lot, especially when we're younger. So to hear it from a 25 year old was incredible because when I was 25, I was intentionally messing up, right? Like that was the only intentionality I had was making mistakes on purpose. <laughs> yep. So, you know, but now it's like being intentional, planning, being purposeful, being optimistic, looking towards the future with hope is not something either of us had 10 years ago, right? Like we were both in a very different place. And, you know, why I've enjoyed for so many reasons, this relationship, the fact that we mirror each other in so many ways and have had the ability to overcome difficulties to get to where we're going and still think so optimistically about what you said about mistakes and like doing things in the past. I tell people that all the time. It's like, you know, like the saying goes, like I jumped off the porch at a pretty early age. I was a latchkey kid. Like I experienced things um, at a pretty early age. I started drinking and, and smoking weed when I was like 14, 15 years old. And so for a lot of people that didn't get into that until like their late 20s and 30s, partying and stuff was something that really like took over their life. Like I was doing that at 20. Like I was getting in the clubs that I was supposed to be older at like 20 because I knew the bouncer. I knew somebody that could get me in. And so by the time I got to my 30s, I was like, yo, I'm done. <laughs> it's like, I'm good. You know, it's time to really start being more intentional and purposeful. And so, Jimmy, you've talked about where you're from. We've talked about how we know each other, your career, which is inspiring, you know, your relationship with your father, which was amazing, your relationship with Chelsea and Dominic and how they've helped to push you forward. And so I would love to hear more about your motivation. And I think you dropped those jewels and those gems throughout this entire podcast but right now, really would love for you to just focus on what is your why? What keeps you so optimistic? What keeps you from going backwards and drinking and being that Jimmy of the past, knowing that, like, man, I have so many more things that I want to accomplish? Well, I think you said it right there. <clears throat> I have so many things I want to accomplish. And I just started having a different outlook on life. I just started waking up and being like, what can I learn? How can I improve? Kind of look at myself you know, like a video game character, like, how can I add, you know, the ability points or whatever, you know, what can I do to make myself better? Not only just at my job, but learning to be a father, learning to, you know, just what did my dad do? What did, how did, you know, did this help? Did this not help? What should I, you know, so I think what motivates me is myself first and foremost. And that was something I never, ever had. I used to walk around and act cocky. I used to act, you know, like I was cool because I truly hated myself. And that was just my defense mechanism. People would uh, always try to, the older kids would always try to mess with me when I was younger until they learned real quick who I was. And that was just, I had a crazy brother. I'm not like a fighter guy. If you'd ever see me, like that's not my thing. I grew up around violence though. And that was something I didn't like. And I think anger controlled a lot of what I did. So I think what motivates me now is to not be that angry person because I know that those things were not me. Those were influences and those were things put in my life. And I look back and I am able to see things that happened to me and I don't let them beat me up. It's like, oh, okay, well, that makes sense why I acted like this or did that. And I don't use it as an excuse. I try to learn from it and understand it. And I think that motivates me every day that I get to learn something about myself. But like you said, you know, I, I, I told you throughout the whole show that I literally could not do any of this without my father. And then when he was gone, you know, Chelsea came and, you know, I, let's not 
leave out my mom, my brother, and my sister. I love them all to death, and they've been there for me in times of need too. But you know, when you lose someone, that's a a big thing, you know, and that obviously impacts you. But um, he was huge in my life. And now Chelsea, having her, um, my God, uh, her and Dominic gave me the drive. I literally was like, okay, when I get out of here, I'm just I'm done. Like I'm gonna do it for them, and every single day I'm gonna remember that I'm doing it for them, myself, and them. That's what this is for us as a family and my dog, you know, Herschel. So we've got four of us, man. We're a little gang. And I just, every day I'm motivated to learn more about myself, learn more about the world, the human mind that, you know, there's so many books and texts and things that are out there trying to tell us what the facts are or the truth is. And now I'm not saying that the books that have facts aren't facts. Okay. Don't, don't get me twisted for any kind of trumpet or anything here. I'm just saying. There's a lot of things out there that want to tell us different tales. And it's like, it's okay to think. It's okay to think for yourself. And uh, I think it motivates me every day to think for myself, stand up for the world, be a voice that a lot of people won't be, you know? And I love, you know, when you said that earlier, it's like, it's, it feels good to hear, you know, you say that and I'm not looking for self glorification or any kind of gratitude, you know, anything like that. I just really, I don't do it for anyone but myself because I'm tired of watching people be hurt because I know what it's like to be hurt. So I'm motivated as hell, man. I've got all kinds of stuff. My dad, Chelsea, Dom. I mean, I just really, I want to make the world a better place. And that's, man, that's my motivation, dude. And it's, I mean, if you see the world around us, uh, everyone watching right now, it's going to be, or listening right now, sorry, they're going to be, you know, listening to this in December. And I'm sure we're still going to have a lot of chaos ensuing because winter is coming. But it's, man, right? It's not hard to get motivated. It's like, we got, we need change, man. And, you know, be the change. It's always been my motto. So I want to be the change, man. Yeah, and that's something that my grandmother talked to me a lot about, too, is like, be the change in the world that you want to see. Um, and I tell people it's funny. I thought she came up with that and then found out it was Gandhi. And so I was like, oh, okay. She was quoting Gandhi. It still works, though. Yeah. Um, but 100%, you know, that's how I live my life as well is like, be the change that you want to see. It's easy to, again, sit back or take a step back or really just not participate in a comprehensive manner when, in fact, it's an imperative that we step up at this time when we are in the midst of civil unrest that we haven't seen since the late 60s. And we're literally fighting the same fight for then that we're, we are now. And so be the change. If you live your life trying to be the change in the world that you want to see, I feel like you can never go wrong. Um, and I loved all the motivational aspects that you mentioned. You know, it's clear that your family and the things that you've gone through and overcome and have been able to put behind you continue to like propel you forward. Um, and again, anyone from the Philadelphia Eagles or any franchise, really, I mean, I would hate to see you go somewhere else to help them become great. But, you know, I know that what you're working towards, you're going to end up there because you're so laser focused on it and so sharp with it. And like you said, you're always looking to add like what you said about the video game character, but like adding that tributes and, and adding all of the different things because it's imperative. And Gail, his, in his episode, talked about when people ask him, what does he do? He said, I do everything. And, you know, we grew up in a time where you're supposed to be a master of one thing. And then automation has come along and made people that were masters of one thing irrelevant. 
And so if you can't do multiple things, like this world isn't for you any longer. You know, you have kids that are eight years old that can program on computers and can do graphics and can make videos and edit them and then get on social medias and are already savants. I watched a girl, she was from China, she was five years old on a drum set playing. And I'm like, she's a better drummer than I am at anything in life. <laughs> and so, you know, yes, it's cool to learn one thing well, but also make sure that you can diversify yourself and make sure that you're able to do other things at least adequately and then build on top of them so that you never find yourself in a position where you just are useless. Um, because that's the arguably the worst feeling that you can have is feeling like you don't have any use or any purpose. We'll get into the tail end of our conversation here. Um, this was everything that I imagined that this this talk would be, if not more. You know, again, your life really embodies the third lap. Um, it's all about motivation. It's all about when tough times hit, like tough people keep going. And everybody that I've had on the podcast so far has toughness and is tough um, and not like gangsters. Right. Like and, like you don't got to be a gangster to be tough. Tough means that when you're down and you've hit rock bottom, you bounce back. You know, we've all had those dark times. Sharif King, who was episode number one, he talked about sleeping on his couch with the candles and like how that ended up defining him. And he never wants to go back there. You know, I think of myself being unemployed and like my wife paying to take us out. And I never want to go back there. Um, you know, I will never go back there. Like that motivates me in a way that I don't even know if I comprehend it sometimes. But thinking about it now, it's like, no, bro, I can't that I can't return to that point again. I've been there and done that already. And so, again, we're at the tail end of the third lap podcast here with Jimmy Smith. And so, Jimmy, what are your motivational thoughts for the people? Right. Like if they only catch this two to three minute segment of the episode for whatever reason, they jump right here to this time marker and this is all they hear. What do you want people to walk away with? Well, um, I will add one thing uh, before I hit that up real quickly. I, I forgot to say one of the things I wanted to, you know, do with what I'm doing is I hope that one day, you know, I said I wanted to do the football stuff with helping. I hope that I can put those together. I think there should be more counseling and things for players where I hope that one day I could really get more into that. And I've looked into it and uh, really hope I can find the drive to keep pushing to help, you know, like Brian Dawkins does just really the mental health of people. So just wanted to touch on that. But sorry, I uh, didn't mean to get you off base there. But if there's anything I can leave you guys with is, man, don't give up. <laughs> don't give up. Believe in yourself, even when it doesn't feel like anything's ever going to go your way. You know, I listened to that uh, first episode with Sharif, and I thought it was pretty amazing. And I teared up a little bit because I remember, you know, sleeping on a park bench before and being like, whoa. Do I really not have a home to stay at right now because I'm that much of a piece of crap? And I just remember sitting there telling myself I was nothing and this and that, and I was never going to stop drinking. And I'm here to tell you, that is the biggest crock of BS I ever, ever told myself because I had done bad things and I had felt like a bad person and this and that. But I'm telling you, it is never too late to turn your life around uh, and don't don't wait until you're on your deathbed because you're not going to sit here and say that, oh, I'm lucky I was on my deathbed. I, I mean, I shouldn't say it like that. It's not funny, but I try to find pride in, you know, having that fight and beating it and surviving. And, you know, every day is a fight for me. I still have cirrhosis of the liver, gallbladder stones. I have all these things that I can't get surgery. You know, I can't take Tylenol, Advil. I never, ever will make an excuse. Um, I try to find motivation. So just I want to leave you guys with 
find what matters to you, find your motivation and make that what you do every day. Don't, don't find time to get into the drugs and alcohol, all the things that this world wants you to get into. Find yourself, man, because learning who you are and learning about the world is the most fun I've ever had uh, getting to be part of my family. So find yourself, be yourself, believe in yourself. A hundred percent. And getting into like the drugs and alcohol, a lot of times it's about running away from yourself. Right. Mm -hmm. And so like uh, oftentimes we were deep diving into that and I was using weed as like a self-coping mechanism for PTSD and for anxiety and for depression. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden it stopped working. It, it made it worse. Right. And then, you know, I'm sober and going through sobriety and talking to my wife, like, man, like it brought me to tears one day that, you know, I was smoking as much as I was taking edibles and like it, it dawned on me, like, man, I, I'm I'm really in that much pain. I, I'm running from that many things. There are so many things in my life that I haven't addressed head on in a way that I need to, that I felt like it was imperative for me to spend almost every day high. And it was tough. You know, it, it was definitely, it was tough. Um, and so for people that use it to self-medicate therapy and, and another aspect of the Third Lab podcast that's really kind of weave this way through every episode is around mental health. And there's always a moment where we really take a step back and say, listen, mental health is important. You and I have talked about mental health and the importance of it. You know, my therapist, Omar, has been a huge, huge help for me. Um, and we had a great conversation this past Thursday um, that just passed by. And I needed it because like, I, I felt myself kind of shifting and unsure of what I wanted to do next. And he really helped to recenter me um, it was just imperative. And so, you know, folks, I'm not going to tell you to stop smoking. That's not my job or stop drinking. That's not my job. But I am going to tell you is that if you're using it as an escape route, stop escaping, face life head up, whatever it is you're running from, you can face it. You have the power, you have the strength, um, and you have the fortitude to overcome it. I believe in you. Jimmy believes in you. We love you. Um, and then, you know, if you overcome it and decide you want to party, I ain't going to tell you don't party. You know, make sure that you're taking your life seriously. Because what you said, Jimmy, was like being sober and, and like stringing sobriety together in a way that I have. I didn't realize what I was missing out on. Um, I didn't realize what I was doing to myself. And so, you know, I can speak firsthand much like you can around like what addiction does to you, how it changes your mind. I'm grateful that it didn't take me laying on my deathbed to figure out that I needed to make a change, but it did take like a significant event in a very different way for me to finally realize that it was time for me to make a switch. And so you spoke about your motivational thoughts. I think that everything you said is super motivational. So folks only get that three minutes. I think they'll still walk away with, with the jewels, but hopefully they've listened to the whole episode. Um, and so again, we're closing this out here. What are what are you reading right now, Jimmy? Or what's something that you've read or maybe an audible, like an audio book that has helped you? Is there anything that comes to mind? Well, uh, you and I were talking a little bit about this and I, I thought about it. I'm like, okay, now I've been reading a little bit of motivational stuff, but um, I, I would probably, okay, if you want motivational, right now I'm reading Crushing It, Gary Vee. Uh, he's a guy that's really just all about getting it done. Um, I take stuff from all kinds of people though. Um, but a book that changed my life forever, and this is up to you guys. This is going to set you on a different path. But 1984, or George Orwell, um, I read that as a young man. And I had already started thinking differently about the world around me, um, how they use 
the drugs and media and even food uh, against us. And I'm not trying to sit here and be a conspiracy theorist on you, uh, go crazy on you, but these things are used against us. And, you know, that book changed my entire outlook on life and it truly set me down a path to be myself. So if I could recommend any book, it's 1984 by George Orwell. Oh, man, what a book. 1984. Oh, man, I think we read it in middle school and I didn't have the comprehension of it at that point that I needed. And in animal form, we read, too, which was like another one of those were like, you you just got to get older to be able to comprehend what it's really telling you. Yeah, 1984, man. Dope, dope. I was in ninth grade, man. Just imagine. 15-year-old boy right. just learning. You know, I'm like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> um, and we we might have to start like a conspiracy theory podcast because anybody that knows me, um, I, I've gotten better. I used to get heavy into them. I find that like I don't have the time necessary to really deep dive the way that I used to. Um, but to end to like lend some credence to what you're saying right now, anybody listening, look up Operation Paperclip. Um, and you'll find that it's very interesting how um, the government has figured out ways to drop subtle hints into our media, into the things that we consume in regards to multimedia that has a direct influence on our behaviors and how we respond to things. Um, and like this is research from World War II from from Nazi scientists that they harbor safe harbor here in the United States that they use to uh, figure out how to influence the brain. So Operation Paperclip. Um, might change your mind about some things and, and might make you a little bit more wary of the media that you consume. There's none of that stuff going on here in the Third Lap Podcast. It's, it's all love and truth on this side, but definitely be careful about where you're getting your information um, and like how, how much of it you're digesting without actually doing the research behind it. But yeah, man, you know, and Gary V is dope. Uh, Gail introduced me to Gary V when I started about a year ago, trying to figure out better ways to promote my social media. So I follow Gary V on every everything that I'm on. Um, he shares a lot of really great content and it's just an all around dope dude. I know that he wants to end up owning the Jets. I have no, much like I know you're gonna make it, he'll be the owner of the Jets at some point. Um, there's no question. And so, you know, where can people find you, man? We're, we're now at the end here and so, um, I'm going to, as always, post your social media with the post when it comes out, but I want to give people a chance to shout themselves out. So where can people find you on all the socials? Yeah, uh, I'm sure there's uh, millions of Jimmy Smiths, so you're going to need a little more than that. Uh, you can find me at On the Road to Victory on uh, Facebook, Twitter. The handle is at O-T-R-2, the number two, Victory. And then uh, that's the same uh, for Instagram, OTR2Victory. So, uh, yeah, on the road to victory, look it up and you'll find me. So it was funny when we added each other on Facebook, you were like, Jimmy Smith. <laughs> and I put in Jimmy Smith and there is one picture and I knew it was you. Is is you and Chelsea kissing behind the the Lombardi Trophy? And I was like, listen, if this ain't Jimmy, then I don't know Jimmy, man. <laughs> it's and a so, great one too. I got my super long hair, like yo, it's when my hair was down, like yo, to my ass, dude. And right. that's a great pick. I love that picture, man. It speaks volumes of the things that you care about, right? Which is yeah. which is your partner, and then also that wonderful Lombardi Trophy that we brought home finally. You have the banner behind you there, Super Bowl champions. That Super Bowl forever changed my life, man. Like, I, I shed a tear. Like, I actually cried joy, man. Like, I hugged my dad. We were at my dad's homeboy's house, and, like, I hugged my dad and my mom. And it's like, 
It's like I won. Like I was in training camp putting on mm-hmm. with them, man. You know, having been a torture fan and watching the Eagles go to what five NFC championship games, fall short against the Patriots. Um, you know, that was incredible. And to beat the Pats the way that we did with Brandon Graham strip sack. And it's just like there was no better way for this to happen. Um, a team like like they said, you know, hungry dogs run faster. Um, Chris Long, who played an integral role with that team as well, as just far as like motivation and just bringing it every single game, every t- every chance he got. Um, Nick Foles, who will forever live in folklore in Philadelphia. Um, I wish him the best with Chicago. I'm glad we kept Wentz. I think that was the right move. Yeah. Um, but you know, there are so many people that contributed to that, and we can have a whole podcast about that too. Um, so you know, I want to respect your time and the time of the people listening. But yeah, man, you know, it's been great, Jimmy. Again, getting to know you, um, being able to share in these experiences with you. I look forward to seeing where all of this goes. Um, you know, I will absolutely be on your show again as I just kind of wrap my mind around what my participation is going to be both for Fourth and John and, and just with kind of like sports media in general. I know that after this pandemic, it's going to it has shifted drastically more towards like um, social activism and making sure that I'm being a part of the change in my communities that I really want to see, which means that I kind of have to take a step away from sports journalism and media in the ways that I uh, have been participating before, but it's something I will forever love. And so I'll always be hanging around, you know, the the fringes to jump in if you ever need me. Um, but anything that you want to say on the way out, any last thoughts you want to share? Uh, if anything, uh, First and foremost, thank you so much for having me on. It was awesome, man. I knew it would be, but I enjoy talking to you. And, you know, what's cool about you is we have these same conversations, you know, always opening up. And it's great to have someone like that. Uh, So if anyone out there, you know, listening, if you don't have anyone to talk to, I promise you, I'm here. And I know Mal would say the same thing. Um, I've been through it. I'm not trying to say I know more than you. There's probably a lot that you've gone through that I've never gone through. And I think that helps to be able to talk to people that have gone through different things and share stories. So I'm always here uh, if anyone ever needs someone to talk to. You know, don't go through this alone. It's nice to have these conversations, not just on the podcast. But, man, I, I, dude, none of this is ever a waste of my time. So when you say, dude, I appreciate it and I'll always have the time for you, man. And I can't wait to have you on the show. And thank you again for having me, Mal. Yeah, no, this was this was great. And same, you know, what you said about not going through it alone, I think is imperative. Um, folks, if you need someone to talk to, reach out to me, reach out to Jimmy. Um, if you ever need to be pointed in the right direction for, you know, mental health ideas or concepts, especially here in the city of Philadelphia, I'm always glad to help. You know, I, I think that I can kind of nudge you in the right direction for sure. But there are so many resources out here now, especially in a pandemic, for like free and discounted services, no matter what they may be. Whatever it is, like be your biggest advocate for yourself. You know, take the time to understand what you need and how you're going to get there and then be intentional about setting the planning and the steps to get there Um, because you can do it. You know, we talked about Paulo Coelho um, in the first episode in The Alchemist. The Alchemist is all about you searching the world for what's already inten- like innately inside of you. You already have what you need to be successful. It's all about what Jimmy mentioned throughout this episode, which is taking the time to unlock it and pursue it. But you have what you need. And so continue to motivate yourselves, everybody. You know, thank you so much again, Jimmy, for tuning for joining me today and for everybody listening. 
This is episode 12 of the Third Lap Podcast. This is Mal Davis here with Jimmy Smith. Each one, teach one, we all learn together. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Third Lap Podcast. This is your host, Mal Davis. Please visit thethirdlappodcast.com for more information about the podcast, about our guests, and also to see our reading list. You can find us at the Third Lap Podcast on LinkedIn and Facebook, at Third Lap on Twitter, and at Third underscore Lap underscore Podcast on Instagram. If you know anyone that would be great to be featured on this show, please reach out to our host, Mal Davis. He's always looking for interesting people to learn more about them and to talk about their pathway. Thank you so much again. Have a good one.